Welcome back fellow imperfectionists to another episode of Picking at Perfection. Today we have the absolute pleasure of hearing from Tom Solid, founder of the legendary paperless movement. This was such a dream come true kind of moment for me and I'm a huge fan of Tom and I waste no moment in telling him that and you can hear my voice literally trembling at, at some point. Uh, he's such a source of inspiration for me um, and really everything I'm doing here at Picking Up Perfection so I just so appreciate him taking the time out of his day to have this interview. Uh, but what do we discuss? In this episode, you will hear about many productivity tools, of course, but we talk about so much more. Buzzwords, toxic productivity, and all around efficiency in your life, as well as such concepts such as being a generalist and having a sandbox in life to really try new things, but doing so without distracting yourself from the main task in hand or detracting from your purpose. And some really beautiful life insights mixed in all of this as well, including references to his wife and family. And listen to the very end of the episode to hear about how he came up with his alias of Tom Solid. For me, one of the things I found most interesting is the fact that Tom didn't really choose either of his career paths and more on that kind of later. Just a heads up, Tom's insights are hilarious and very honest and he even says this himself but to this effect the episode does include some coarse language so if this is not your thing please turn off now. Now without further ado on with the show. Welcome, Tom, and thank you so much for having this interview with me. Thanks for having me. Uh, really excited to get started here. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm a huge fan and I have so many questions. But as always, first, I would love to get your input and definition and experience with the word perfection. Yeah, it can destroy so many systems. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm more a fan of the 80% rule rather get it done instead of never get it done or get it started instead of not starting anything. And if I would have gone for perfection, I wouldn't have started the paperless movement at all. And there was, would be no movement. I love that. That's brilliant. That makes total sense. And yeah, I definitely agree. We wouldn't get anything done because you have to, there comes a point where you have to draw a line in the sand to do anything because most things, and especially I think this is applicable to like the creative space, you could just continue editing and editing and editing and never getting anywhere. Yeah, you know, that, that's the, the new approaches with the oh, new, it's not that new anymore, but with the scrum and the agile designing and, and things like that, that we have continuous improvement. And I'm also, you know, you get started and on the way you actually realize new things that you would have never thought of before starting anything. So this allows you to pivot on the go. And then, yeah, I hope it will never end. Otherwise I get bored. I hate if things finish, well, then I seek for something new. Definitely. And I think it's like treating things like a journey. Like you say, you can't map out every single part of a project before you've even started, because there's always going to be something that comes up that's unexpected or different. And like you say, pivoting, so that's a really good approach. Yeah, there should be a scope, obviously, uh, at some point, <laughs> where you want to go, which direction. <laughs> but yeah, I'm always a fan of on-the-go improvements. Amazing. And sort of speaking about um, creator kind of space, let's start with sort of your, your YouTube. So was there a turning point for you getting on YouTube and filming this kind of content? Well, I was a creative 
forever since I can think uh, doing music and and other art style things and if you go back on my YouTube channel you might see how I was you know doing music explaining people how to use product uh, production music production programs and um, well and there is actually never a starting point so I was I was recording my first videos when I got a camcorder from my father I was 10 years old something like that so I was always into this so that was very natural to go to YouTube for me and I always like to share information with other people and this is what I did there and then I bought the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil and went paperless in the company uh, that you just mentioned, big pharma industry. And then I shared again my experience on YouTube uh, using handwriting note-taking apps and what works best with, it, with this and got some tractions, traction there. And two years later, I became the handwriting note-taking app guy on YouTube. And this is something I never wanted to become, to be honest, <laughs> because um, I... Always thought I have more to offer. So um, yeah, I'm more in the productivity area end to end rather than only talking about how to take notes. But I think you we, we will get there <laughs> in the interview, isn't it? Well, definitely. I, I don't think of you as just handwriting for sure. I think of you as overall kind of productivity and definitely enviable productivity as well I have no idea how you do it but it is it's quite astounding what you keep a track of um as you say we'll, we'll get into that shortly um you say that you've always been a kind of creative soul do you do you have like a method of staying creative is it just something that comes naturally to you yeah this is why I actually don't like due dates or anything like that so I need pressure in order to get things done I'm, I'm a procrastinator uh, a master of it I would say and sometimes I use it to my advantage to really get the pressure on. So if I don't set any timelines, I will never get it done. This is important. However, when it comes to creativity, I need to have... So let's say I set a, I set a due date on one day. If I set a time, it wouldn't work. So I would say I would need to record this video on this day. And it can happen that I do the whole day, different things, maybe start the video or not. And at some point it hits and do this. If it is a creative video, doing something like that. So um, this is what I'm always seeking on and no matter where I'm working uh, in, um, I need to be in the flow in order to, to create the best that I can. Obviously there are routine uh work that needs to get done and, and things like that. Or I have structured videos where I just um, collected information that I can tell then and share. This is easy, but when it comes to creativity, then it becomes hard. And it is even harder being creative in a digital world than on piece of paper. And this is the natural feeling that is missing. And this is what the advantage of the iPad comes in that you have the Apple Pencil and you can have this flow or you use Remarkable, the tablet as well, which is great because it gives you this uh, haptic feedback and it also gives you the sensation of handwriting again. Um, and what really comes close to this is Miro, for example, which is a whiteboard uh, application many people use already actually for sprints and, and sessions in, in there in order to set up concepts 
And I'm using this to, to brainstorm, to create my iCore uh, framework that, um, that describes the productivity system end-to-end -end and all this. Everything was done in Miro because for one simple reason, I can throw everything in there that I find in the inter internet or I can also draw on my iPad. And this gives me the way to collect everything because if there's anything I hate, then it's just, it is disconnection. So I have something I want to get somewhere, but I can't get it into my single source of truth or anything like that. So it just makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. I think two really interesting things you've touched on there and something I can really relate to is the deadlines thing. So as we were saying before we started, and as I usually say to my listeners as well, coming from the events industry, I don't think there is any harder deadline than the event date, because if I haven't done my work, it's going to be pretty evident to the audience and to the client, you know, there's no way to get around it. So I really don't think I could move to anything else that was sort of more casual because I need that hard deadline to kind of encourage and inspire me. Um, and also on the sort of paperless notes, I think anyone that sort of goes down the paperless route, I mean, now we are completely spoiled with the amount of tools and apps we have, but you know, a couple of years ago, maybe even when you started, it probably wasn't so easy because you're trying to fit, as you say, the flexibility and freedom of a piece of paper into devices, you've got to rely on the developers to be putting out things to, to enable you to be creative and keep your workflow kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, I think you've definitely given us all a solid base um, and insight into all of that kind of content. So I, I think you're a pioneer. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Indeed, when I started all this, this was actually Evernote there. There was no Notion or anything else. And I absolutely get it that Evernote became so popular because people were able to collect information on one place and then it becomes searchable. And this is the same now with the iPad and these note-taking apps. If I tell anybody, uh, you have your paper notebook, all you have to do, go to your iPad, you can do exactly what you did before inside the iPad with the advantage that your notes become searchable, they are sold already. And then I say, and everything is uh, secured in the iCloud or in any other cloud, they are hyped, yeah? And then they go in there, but they are not more productive in the end of the day. And this is what, you know, when I said I'm the note-taking app guy, handwriting note-taking app guy, there's much more. So what do you do with the digital notes? So obviously I could tell you now to use settle custom method or anything like that, but there's so much more in the digital world that we can do that we can't do on paper. And this is really missing. So when I was talking to the CEO of Evernote, Ian Small, and he told me that only 2% of the users using tags inside Evernote, I was shocked actually, but it made sense as well because um, people didn't know how to use it. What's the difference between folders and using tags and all this? And this is my mission in the paperless movement to present this in a more easy way and make it more accessible, all these advantages that we have, like database connections, backlinks is a buzzword in 2020 and 2021 for all these note-taking apps. And this we need to leverage more. Um, to oh, we, So we start leveraging the digital world really, instead of just consuming it. Definitely. And that's something that appeals so much to me is kind of what you're saying about the backlinks, interlinking everything and sort of building that knowledge base. And I mean, something that originally brought me to sort of being paperless was just my quality of handwriting, to be quite honest, because even using the iPad to make notes, literally look back and I'm like, 
I can't, I have to write my minutes of my calls pretty much no more than a day after they take place because otherwise I won't remember um, or, you know, understand what I've written. And just the ability to make things neat really quickly makes me even more efficient because having paper and messy handwriting, you know, I'm a left-hander, it ends up smeared all over the page kind of thing. Just being able to be not for lack of a better word, perfect in terms of the presentation and the getting the content down made me so much quicker. So that was kind of what brought me to it originally. Yeah, and this really depends on the people, uh, what they need. So I'm also not very, very fast handwriting. And so many people say I'm much faster doing handwriting instead of typing. But I'm a fast typer. I learned it since, you know, in school already typing fast. So This is great, but when it comes to create to the creative process, handwriting um, gives you so much more um, freedom to think about. So I published this ebook, um, Paperless Note Taking Like a Pro, and there there's a whole chapter talking about the science behind handwriting and why we can keep information much better in our brains rather than by typing. Uh, in short, the type text all looks the same. But with your handwriting, we creating pictures there. We are never write the same letters, even if you think we are writing correctly. And it makes it much easier to keep uh, the things in mind. So for everything, there's the right purpose. And when it comes to app and what to use, something I don't like is on social media, people ask, what's the best note-taking app? And the answer is Evernote, Notion. Uh, Notechurf, good notes, notability, whatever. And I don't get it if why people answer this because it is so, you know, goes to personal, goes down to personal preferences. When people say, I switched from Evernote to Notion, um, it is so much better. I could never switch from Evernote to Notion because I'm using Evernote to scan my documents too. And this is my documents, my document dump in there. And I find everything inside Evernote. Notion is not suitable to do this. But if you are aware of note-taking inside Notion, you have a lot more advantages in Notion, uh, in Evernote. You have a lot more advantages in Notion. So yeah, we're going down a rabbit hole right there, but uh, <laughs> this is really another important thing here in the paperless that we make or deliver the foundations of productivity and what is a workflow, what is your business process and, and things like this. So people realize in the end of the day, it doesn't matter what tool they use. You can apply your con conventions for priorities, for example. So many times with my clients, uh, I see everything is on priority high. Yeah, why? Because there's nothing defined. If I have a priority on high or urgent, it has business impact. My business will stop working if I don't do this task. So there's a really... Uh, strong message attached to this and things like this is more important than to get a tool and you can do all this on paper obviously i think that's sorry what you say about the high priority email i think that's hilarious because i don't know about you but on i we use outlook at work and it has a, a low priority button and never in my years of working in corporate have i ever seen anyone send an email with low priority but that you know that would be a welcome treat for a change <laughs> Yeah, this is what leads to burnout and overwhelm. And people, I see so many people being busy instead of being productive. So they, they are busy the whole day, but never get anything done. And that's a danger. And this is just, and it's actually the responsibility of the leaders to get this right. They don't need to know how to set this up, 
but they need to get the knowledge in there that there's more even in in big companies i think it's even more the problem there's a new salesperson selling a tool like trello or asana or whatever and the company buys it and then they give it their teams and say okay you have to use this now yes it works but even then give them some conventions they always think that the tool is the solution but it's never the solution it is what it's behind um it's for the personal life the same. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. That's really interesting. On a, a couple of episodes, we talked about um, that very kind of thing in terms of, obviously we all are in our jobs and the end result is what's measured versus how you're actually doing it. De- definitely for me, no one's ever checked on, you know, can I just see your to-do list and how you're managing your time? Definitely not in the UK and not in the space I work in, but I think actually I would personally support open kind of conversations like that. And I, Certainly, as you say, try and lead my teams to think like that. You know, we have often conversations and trainings about time management and just sort of basic principles to put into action, because especially, again, I'm relying heavily on the events industry, but it is a very, as you say, busy industry because of the high priority of of everything. A lot of people will will burn out and come to you and say, you know, I have no capacity, I can't do that. But then they'll show you their to-do list and it's, you know, a scrap of paper with, you know, 20 things written in a brainstorm all over, some scratched out, some in different colours. And, I, you know, what I'd say to someone who came to me with that is, I can't do anything with this because how can I help you delegate and and see what you're planning? Um, and I love your, your mantra in your video of a task list is infinite, whereas your day and your calendar is finite. And that's something I'm, I'm really taking forward at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. And couldn't agree more that if there's anything I hate than sitting in a meeting with five people, everybody's taking their own notes in big industry, you are big companies. You also have a six person there, person taking down the meeting minutes, sending it out via email. This person was never expert, never you know grasped fifty percent of what was uh, talked there, and then everybody dumps it into the archive in email. And one week later, you have exactly the same meeting, talking exactly about the same things again. And just because there's no single source of truth set up, where the you know on the go open up this bloody task and talk about this task, write down the comments on the task. Everybody agrees on this, done. If somebody leaves the country, uh, the company next day, the new one coming in has the whole history there, what was discussed, what was agreed on and things like that. Instead of, you know, it is in a somebody else's email account, which is no longer accessible if he leaves the company or she. So, Yeah. Oh, getting into a rant right here. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's really interesting. I love that phrase, um, the one whole truth that you just said, or there's not one ultimate truth. I think that's really relevant because essentially when you're in meetings with people, I think they're only interested in the things that affect themselves. You know, constantly people say, oh, can you, you know, send me that on an email because I use my inbox as my to-do list or things like that. And yeah, no, I agree. It's a complete frustration point for me as well. Yeah. I think it must be even more frustrating from your standpoint, because I I mean, I work and ha- only have worked for small kind of agencies, you know, no more than 30 employees, whereas I can't even imagine what it's like to work for such a giant corporation uh, like that. I, I feel like I would like the routine a bit more, but I'd probably miss the flexibility of, you know. Oh, having- you would be surprised. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the routine because... 
there are so many different teams and departments and everybody uses their own systems and tools. It becomes even more complicated. And while I was able to implement Asana, for example, in my own team, then I spread it over the whole department and then it was used in, uh, or is still used cross department wise, uh, working more than 500 people together in one tool. And this just showed now we set up the conventions we increased team performance 40% in this case, just by implementing the tool in the right um, conventions there. And this spreads the word even in such companies. So when you make it right, it works. Um, yeah, in small companies, um, it's the danger. You can destroy a whole company in this way if you implement the wrong tool. Here, it will be like, a, how is the English word for the fire that spreads very fast? Um, like a bushfire. Oh yeah, bushfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you it will get stopped in big companies mm. if it is on danger. But if it is good, it will spread very quickly as well. And I can understand from your sort of main job role, your you like implement a lot of processes and things like that. Do you find that you kind of have to prove that the process works first? Does anyone sort of ever take it on, on merit and agree to kind of implement something? Or do you have to kind of trial it, as you say, on a, on a small team and, and it spread in that way? It always started with improving my own work. And then I showed it works for myself and I showed it works for my team. And then I showed it works for the department. And this is, you know, I'm working eight years there. And this is not, I did, they didn't hire me to improve processes. They hired me for being a validation expert and, you know, helping get out medicine. And I said, we need to improve the team performance, but this was never the focus, the team performance. I hate if fr friction points, bottlenecks, things like that. And I see them all over the place, no matter where I go. And so what I did there, I implemented, uh, or created on my own a ticketing system on SharePoint basis because there was no tool back then. As I said, there was Evernote, which was not really allowed on in big companies like this. So I used their tools, which was SharePoint. So I built a ticketing system. So we people finally had to hand in um, their tasks uh, into our team and we delegated in there. And yeah, in the end of the day, six different departments. Uh, so completely different topics we're using and leveraging this system. So I don't know if you know about the class A certificate that is done. It was shown there. And this actually is what brought me to IT eventually. So they said, don't stop building ice in our company, rather come to, to us and do it properly. So I switched to IT and um, I'm a team leader of two different teams right now and repeated it and showed it works again in a completely different department because the principles are always the same setting conventions say what to do so people know you know what they do and know their accountability responsibility and things like this um yeah and you know if people think what the hell in what company is he working it's not the only company i had a lot of com um, clients which is the same thing it is a human thing we, we became so efficient and productive creating things that things grew too fast and we are behind with you know we know all the buzzwords lean production system um scrum as i mentioned before agile agile yeah things like that but unfortunately not many really understand what's behind these words in the end of the day it's always going back to the principles of the productivity system 
And um, that's what I'm teaching with the ICO framework in the inner circle. I think there is almost a danger in buzzwords. I kind of really don't like it. Like in our industry, in events industry at the moment, there's this buzzword of hybrid and it's almost like everyone's just jumping on the bandwagon of these things. I think, yeah, I'm not a fan of buzzword, buzzword culture because it, I think it is just people saying things to seem, you know, pop culture kind of thing. Yeah, it's really an issue because I'm very sensible to things like that. Um, I would say I have a high emotional quotient, quotient, how is it going? EQ. And uh, I sense this. If somebody comes back from a training where they just learn something about agile or anything, and they try to tell me what to do, and I feel just that they have no idea how it goes deep. They just were a few hours learning about this or watched some YouTube videos, <laughs> but they don't feel the hurt when there is a bottleneck, you know, <laughs> to be picked. And there we come back to perfectionism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I try hard to stay at these 80%. And I just wanted to add something that you mentioned before as well, that, you know, everybody tries to get things done and all this and being busy and burnout. I always like the approach from Google where they have in their contract actually that you have 20% of your work time to do your own projects, leveraging the, the resources from the company themselves. So for example, Gmail was created in one of these 20% free times in the company. And I think this needs to be set as well. I, in so many teams, I freed up so much time for them People were working 120, 130%, and I gave them 80%. But the issue is it gets filled up with new projects. So it is always that the, the team leaders also need to understand what they do and hurting people who became even more efficient by you know decreasing it to 80%. They'd still do the same work they did before. I just made them more efficient to get it done and giving them on top something instead of freeing up their mind these 20% and give them the empowerment to create something new inside the company for the company, being motivated to feel they are part of this and things like that. I love that. I didn't know that. That's fascinating that Gmail was founded in the, the 20%. And I think what a wonderful example of showing that you sort of almost having rest and downtime and doing your own thing is a good source of creativity. I definitely think that's, that's valid. Yeah, where is it? Is it in Japan or China or both where people are actually allowed to sleep during work and they even have their own boxes where they can go into to sleep? <laughs> These power power naps. I'm definitely a person who could take a power nap. So, um, <laughs> and I know that, you know, in companies, they try to do this. They, they build in boxes, but in the, in, the, in the big offices there, in the middle, they had a box to sleep there. So who the hell would we go in there and say, okay, guys, keep working. I will go in there and sleep now for 15 minutes. Nobody. So it's always the way of implementation of, of the new ideas as well. Mm -hmm. I think and maybe as part of the work culture that I definitely know, I mean, as appealing as it sounds to take a nap during work, I would definitely do it. And maybe working from home, you know, that's more feasible. But um, I think especially with that setup, there would almost be like a pressure of being seen to slack off, I think. And, you know, because other people would be banging away on their keyboards saying, you know, um, how, why do they get to nap when I'm, you know, 130% busy, like you said. Yeah, you can switch on a YouTube video, which makes the sound of typing on the keyboard. 
<laughs> when, when we first started working from home um, in one of our WhatsApp chats, someone went sent around a link of an app that will move your mouse for you so that you stay online for Teams and all of the online chats and things like that. Terrible culture. Terrible. <laughs> oh my God. So we've touched a bit on um, your sort of background there. I mean, it seems like you, so you started the video by saying you didn't want to be known as the, the handwriting guy. And then you've, you've pivoted from doing sort of more of the scientific things to, to moving in IT. Are you, are you happy with that journey? Are you pleased that you sort of took it? Cause it seems like you've, you've been mm, maybe tossed and turned around a bit. Well, I hope this is the right English word for that. Uh, I'm a generalist. So I love to know a lot of many things instead of being a laser focused expert in one thing and this is just uh you know um people are different so i like to learn more and i get bored very quickly that could be you know disadvantage but um this also drags me to next shiny object drink, uh, syndrome you know and i really need to be careful that i keep my system running and not destroying it by adding a new shiny extra uh, object so I'm doing this by having my sandbox where I'm playing in. And when it comes to work, so um, I studied physics and uh, then I studied biochemistry and I made a P P uh, the PhD in biochemistry. And now I'm working in big industry and switched to IT. There's one golden thread through all this, which is seeking and finding these bottlenecks in processes. And everything is for me a process, no matter where I am and, and what these people are doing. There's always way for improvements. And this is probably not many like me, many I'm coming in and say, oh, we could improve this. And you know this guy, you know? Oh, the new guy. And he is so annoying because, you know, he knows everything better and things like that. Yes, we know these guys. And I'm one of these guys. But I usually, what I hate more are people complaining. People sitting there complaining the whole day how bad everything is on work, but not presenting solutions. I'm complaining. And in addition, I'm giving a solution to that. And I say, take it or leave it. But then I leave. <laughs> if it keeps <laughs> going this way, you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, yeah. Maybe a bit drastic, but this is really the thing. I always KPIs. That's the mm. next buzzword, you know? All over the place, people need to implement KPIs. And I always say KPIs like watermelons. On the outside, on the outside green and the inside red. Again, you can define it <laughs> the way you need it to, but it doesn't help anyone. And no, 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 uh, no wonder that managements take um, wrong decisions at some point, serious decisions based on these KPIs, if it is just a culture that you're afraid to deliver the right KPIs, just to have green KPIs. It is strange things going on in this world. And yeah, I think KPIs are very powerful. So key performance indicators for the people who don't know. Um, but everything is like, like atomic bombs. You can, you can use it to the worst or you can use it to the advantage of, you know, producing energy. I love that imagery you said about the golden thread linking through all your sort of different career and aspects. I think that that's great. And you talked about something really interesting um, about this shiny 
object syndrome i definitely am with you i have a really short attention span things that come in um that are sort of new and exciting they catch my eye straight away and i'll move my attention and my time to those normally and i liked what you talked about as well having sort of a sandbox which i'm i'm guessing is sort of your creative experimental things to try but not necessarily maybe they're not making the cut into the productivity system is that kind of correct yeah yeah especially now that i have a team um, you cannot, if you have a team, you cannot switch tools. They are not into the next shiny object. They just want to get their work done. Um, as I said about these different type of people. And I now very carefully try bef uh, tools before I think I switch. And for example, I have my knowledge management inside Notion because I can do the um, cross-connected databases, backlinks, and also many advantages. There's also Coda coming up now and I started to switch to Coda and I realized, okay, there's not um, everything that I need, but the time I switched, I have a gap inside Notion with my knowledge management. So I stopped adding information and those type of tools is not very easy to cross connect and fill up and import things again. So very, yeah, be very careful switching, but Sandbox, um, yeah, I think it is really important, as I said, with this 20% rule that you take 20% of your time where you just found these, these children thinking needs to get back. And uh, this is exactly what I do in these 20% where I say, now I'm here to check out some shiny objects. <laughs> Brilliant. And um, I guess um, another good thing you touched upon there as well is the the difference between people the two i guess the two types if you like of of complaining the people that complain and don't do anything and then the people that complain but come with a solution i think that's a really important um differentiation is there any sort of and this is something i say to my team you know don't uh, well roundabout i don't say as harshly as this but don't bring problems bring solutions because i think if you're coming to a meeting to talk about a problem then i think it shows strength and and good management to already have a solution kind of hatched out that you're you're pitching to everyone yeah so this is goes in the direction of the new speak up culture another buzzword there so speak up everybody should speak up but the problem is people have the feeling if they speak up they're not getting hurt or even it hurts their um their job so Again, it depends on how you speak up, I would say. On the other hand, I'm not a big fan of, you know, don't come with problems, come with solutions. I, I understand what you mean by that. But obviously, people are not experts in everything. And if they see a problem they are not an expert in, they should speak up, bring it to my attention, and then we can discuss solutions. It is just the, the attitude I mean about this. If they come not to me with a problem, but complain about problems to their colleagues all the time. And I don't, I'm not, don't have a chance to do anything about it. This is the issue I'm talking about. No, that makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. So getting down into some of more of the content that you cover in the paperless movement then. So I think I've mentioned this already, but one of my favorite videos you um, did was productivity apps and why you still don't get things done. And I think this really links into a lot of what we were just talking about. I think you can have all the tools in the world, but part of it definitely has to be the, the mindset and the drive of the individual. Would you agree? Yeah. <laughs> that was efficient 
<laughs> well, my next point is so efficiency. Again, you talk about efficiency there, more with less, uh, yeah, and no waste, and then versus effectiveness of what you can do versus what you did and linking that in with productivity. Because I think there is, um, and something that Ali, uh, Ali Abdul talks about in his videos, I don't know if you're a follower of him, is this kind of toxic productivity kind of trend, almost like the linking to the buzzword culture we're talking about there, that it's sort of cool to be productive and, you know, things like Notion are, are hitting Instagram and everyone's got these beautiful kind of pages they've done, but they actually don't function. It's just kind of busy making. So stripping things back, um, what would your kind of core advice be to someone that's potentially worried about how things look and what they're doing and how they're being seen versus actually what they should be doing? So yeah, first of all, yes, I know Ali Abdal and um, what he's doing on YouTube and showing and teaching. And what I want to say there, you can produce shit and you're still productive, isn't it? Because that's the definition of being productive. You produce something. It, it doesn't include how much you produce, how good the quality is, what you produce, nothing. It is just producing something. So I can be busy the whole day. I'm breathing air. I'm using my energy up and I produce something hot air <laughs> <laughs> so um this is why i'm more focused on efficiency and if you want to call me something then call me an efficiency coach rather than a productivity coach um because i go into existing systems i don't want to rebuild them i just want to make them more efficient because this way you produce even more i'm not saying what to produce so if they produce shit i make them produce more of this <laughs> So, um, and the culture, yes, this is exactly people start to hide behind something. And mm -hmm. it's a real danger with the YouTube channels talking about all these different tools available. Um, I mean, I'm talking about different tools as well, but much less than other channels do. Um, I'm talking about the tools that I'm personally use or are really interested in and so on. But it it's also very popular to go onto YouTube watching these videos about the shiny objects, testing out the objects in order to pro procrastinate to get things done. You know, so this is, and then then, then I'm productive because, yeah, it is cool. And I'm, I'm happy about this. Paperless movement, yeah, you can be cool being, being paperless. Does it mean that we save all the trees? No, that doesn't mean that. It is, it is more about understanding the principles of productivity, paperless, the advantages of this and how to use it to our and the world's advantage to do it right way. But this is humanity. You bring up a word, somebody is successful with this, with this and it becomes repurposed in so many different ways until it becomes dangerous actually. That's brilliant. Thanks so much for explaining that. And I think, yeah, I guess guilty of sort of what I'm preaching in terms of the buzzwords, because productivity itself maybe even is a buzzword, because like you say, it's it's just producing. You're completely right. And if what you're producing is rubbish, then you're going to produce more of it. So that's not going to help anyone. So I like the the efficiency coach. I think that works much better. Um, but not making myself sound too much like um, shiny object syndrome. But after watching that video, I actually swapped from using, so I still use Notion, but like you, it's more for maybe um, knowledge management and a bit of project management as well. Mm. But I moved 
from using it for task management to to doist because I literally yeah. was just trying to fit the wrong tool for the wrong job um, because you know there's no time stamping really in Notion it's not in order of the day it just doesn't make sense and now that I'm using Todoist it is a lot more efficient and I really like in your iCore framework document you've got like this wonderful image of a screwdriver trying to bang, bang a nail in and a screwdriver and the other way around and I just thought it was brilliant because it's just illustrates so much of trying to fit the wrong tool for the wrong job and you wouldn't do that in a DIY kind of physical world like that so why do it for your digital tool it just makes perfect sense yeah I love that you go down this road now because another rant is just coming up here it is this really something about notion uh, talking about buzzwords and culture going to YouTube it is full with notion and this is my notion setup and look at my notion setup and here you can get this course to become so much more productive, setting up a bloody pro, pro, project management system in Notion. And I don't get it. I tried it. I tried to make a project management. It is just not there. Just take it. It is not there. Recurring task is not a thing. You have to set up different databases, connect them widely with each other. And this is, thank you for bringing this up with the screwdriver. <laughs> this is exactly the thing I'm using. Oh, that's why I'm, I'm making this ICOR framework. We didn't mention what it actually means. ICOR stands for Input, Control, Output, Refine. And these are the different parts of a productivity system as I see them. So in Notion would be in the control part from my perspective. And I have my knowledge in there. And in Output, there is not Notion. There is something like ClickUp or uh, Todoist or something that is made for getting things done. Asana, um, Microsoft tasks and so on. And Todoist is one of my favorites as well, because that's another thing, which is in the refined part of iCore, it integrates with so many tools. And if I have something that is not an all-in-one solution, then I hope that they at least integrate with other tools because the disconnection is the next danger. Um, if I have different information in different tools and duplicating information, this will kill your productivity or efficiency as well. Um, so Todoist integrates with my Google Calendar, for example, in a two-way synchronization. And you mentioned it already, task list is infinite, which is Todoist in this case, but a uh, calendar is finite. So if it syncs there, I have to plan out these tasks inside my Google Calendar, but at the same time, it updates everything inside Todoist. So I don't have the double of the work. And now I have a team working inside ClickUp. I have my task inside ClickUp as well. So I don't want to have different tools there. So I'm using something like Plexi, which is just a connector between Todoist and ClickUp, two-way synchronizing these tasks again. So I always look at one tool. And um, one of my, oh, my Inner Circle members, they get access to, to a masterclass. I was talking about this as well, that I would like that people in a team could use all their personal favorite uh, task manager tools like TickTick, for example, whatever, but can connect to the single source of truth that we use inside a team. For example, ClickUp. This would really empower people. And this comes back to what we said in the very beginning. People like handwriting, people like typing. <laughs> okay, so let them do what they do best. And that's the same for using tools. Yeah. Rand ended. <laughs> Wait, one more thing. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> There's one more thing. And then, you know, these um, methods and courses come up and say, 
yeah, you can do this, but you have to use this tool and you use you need to use it exactly the way I'm using it. Getting things done, another GTD buzzword, if you like to name it this way. I like these methods and I've, I've been inspired for my own setup many times, but just don't take it for granted what is there. Just pick what works for you and empower your own productivity system. And, you know, I hear it so many times. I tried to implement GTD so many times. It's not working. What tool should I use in order to get work? No, just understand what is the, the fundamentals behind this and then leverage for your own productivity system what you can use best from it. Definitely. That makes total sense. I think there's a, a fine balance of sort of prescribing these things and forcing people to use them um, and allowing them to take what they want from it. I think it sort of takes, um, it, it's down to the individual at the end of the day, because I'm definitely someone who pushes back on someone forcing me, especially something like, you know, your own task management. I think that should be left up to the individual for sure. And you, yeah. you talked about GTD there. Um, I, I've never actually read that book, um, but I probably should. But I wanted to ask you just randomly, it's popped into my head. Have you ever read The 12 Week Year? No, no, I haven't read that. It's, I, I mean, it's an interesting concept for sure. Um, I mean, to me, it just makes me feel rushed. Essentially, you you treat each week as a month and then so 12 weeks is, is a year. Um, so you just sort of get get more things done. But it, essentially, it's the book that taught me sort of the time blocking method um, of treating, you know, 7.5 days of putting tasks on calendar versus on a list, which is, you know, what we talked about finite versus infinite. That's, that's interesting. I heard about this book already. I certainly need to, I'm just writing it, typing it up. <laughs> And I'm, I'm totally with you on the sort of all-encompassing tool. And I love the, the fact that you've, you've synced, seemed you've synced everything so that you only have to look at one thing and, and your team can be a little bit more flexible, but it sounds like it could be more flexible in terms of allowing them to use their specific tool. I definitely, one of my problems is, and I, that's why I was trying to fit task management into Notion and to-do lists, because I just want to be able to look at one space like you. I... The, the less friction, the better. And having to open, you know, Todoist, uh, you know, uh, a note on my iPad to scribble things down and then Notion for other things. I, whilst it doesn't sound like a lot, opening three programs, every bit of friction makes a difference, in my opinion. Absolutely agree. And I have the same issue, you know, especially with Notion, because they, until now, and they did relaunch now the next weeks, but... They had no API, so I, it was not possible to connect Notion with anything else because in the end of the day, I at least could connect it using something like Sapia and automate uh, the connection there, but it wasn't there. <clears throat> so the workaround uh, is to, again, define your different work phases in this case, um, what you're doing. Do you need to get things done? And then you're in Todoist. And if you need information inside Todoist for this task, just add the link to Notion. Don't add the information to Todoist. So you define your single source of truth for your knowledge, your control part, and then leverage the universal links that you can get and put it to the different other tools instead of spreading it all over the web. Because this is the thing that that breaks your mind in the end of the day, that you have in your mind, ah, oh, this is... You know, you add something into Todoist and you know exactly it should go into Notion. And this gives you already the friction that you duplicate the information 
two worlds and then you get annoyed because you did it what you shouldn't do and i can relate to this so if you define it it just goes there nowhere else it makes it easy and then everything goes on its own mm. no definitely i completely relate to that you have to be strict with yourself so it, usually if someone catches me off guard um like i have this i'm dealing with this one person at the moment that just calls out of the blue and as a millennial i'm really not used to my phone ringing it you know it has to be a whatsapp that i can look at in my own time or it has to be on calendar and she sort of phones and i'll be you know in the middle of minutes or something like that and then so I pull up Todoist and I write knowledge in there rather than tasks. Yeah. So I just need to be stricter with her, I think. But I absolutely know why you did this, because I do do this as well. Why? Because Todoist manages to be as accessible as, as possible. Mm. Quick capturing information. And now we talk about Apple Notes, for example. Apple Notes is the note-taking app that you get on your iPad in, uh, in the Apple universe. And this took this away because I also did this in Notion, uh, in Todoist. I was quickly capturing information in there because it's so easy to add information into Todoist, which is not as easy in Notion. In Notion, I would need to open up the app. I need to find database and all this. And with somebody on the call, it just stresses me out. But with the with Apple Notes, I just tap with my Apple Pencil on the and on the iPad, it will open up a new note. I scribble it down like on a piece of paper and it's out of my mind and I can follow up later on. I won't lose it. And this is, again, people say, I, I showed this on YouTube, how to do this and so on. People say, okay, how do you use Apple Notes for your note-taking and your whole life? <laughs> and I made an online course about this. And in this online course, I explained in detail how I use Apple Notes, what is possible to do in Apple Notes but that I would never use it as a knowledge management system. It just goes in there. And for example, I pin a note. So I get uh, reminded that this note needs to get processed into another system. So it is pinned. I have to bring it into Notion, where my single source of truth lives of this information. But in this situation that you just mentioned there, I relieved myself from the stress because at this moment I know, okay, now write it down like on a piece of paper. And then processes later on that makes total sense and yeah i've uh, i reinstalled apple notes just for that reason for the the tap of the apple pencil i saw it on your video um <laughs> i think problem with maybe just society in general is that people want something you know one stop shop like you know this sort of fast instant society we live in but yeah then go like, back to paper <laughs> <laughs> yes no leave completely. me alone right <laughs> And I, so I, um, when I first got Notion, I probably did treat it a bit sort of buzzwordy and I, I, I'm still a part of it, but I don't read it so much, but I used to religiously read the Reddit, the Notion Reddit. And constantly I was posting in it for, you know, like, please do handwritten notes because I just wanted something that was just all one-stop shop. But now I kind of see that, that, you know, that really wouldn't fit and they'd probably do it, but it, it wouldn't be as, you know, good as good notes or any kind of actual app that is purely dedicated to note-taking. So I, I think I've just done a bit of maturing in terms of what to expect from developers. Yeah, well, you can use your handwriting inside Notion if you use the Scribble feature in, on the iPad. And um, I'm sure this is not the sensation that you're looking for. If Notion would implement something like Evernote provides the OCR of images, 
it would work as well. You could write down in good notes on audibility and just post it into notion, but in the end of the day, and people mentioned this already, Notion is for architects and Rome Research, Obsidian, the other things are for gardeners and so on. I'm an architect in the end of the day, and I'm the gardener in my Apple Notes and, you know, messing around. So I always see myself as a gardener building a glass house as the architect, and inside I'm gardening. So... <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I love that analogy. That's something Ollie talks about all the time about the, the gardener and the architect. That's really good. And I think um, speaking about friction, something that I love about Todoist is just being able to sort of, um, you can just type Tuesday and it will just automatically move it. It's just so simple. And absolutely recently learned how to do like the reoccurring as well, because before in Notion, I was literally like dragging a task around and it was, yeah, now I look back, I think it was ridiculous. You know, I heard, I heard this so many times. Hey, Tom, if you want to have, I cannot say it even because it makes me so angry. Uh, that's the German anger, you know. <laughs> so, you know, Tom, if you want to have a recurring task, just make some checkboxes and uncheck them on the next day. Then you have a recurring task. I don't know. And, and But I always say it depends on what you need. If I have a daily routine, I have a recurring, you know, a, a, a few tasks to do every day. That's fine. I have a day job. I'm running two teams there. I have this business on the side. I have a private projects going on and so on. I cannot uncheck every day <laughs> so many checkboxes. This is just, yeah. So it really depends on. I absolutely understand people who run their whole, whole life inside uh, Notion. But I think when you become a business growing fast, and I know, for example, paper like they're using Notion as well, uh, to run their project management. So it works. I don't want to say it's not working, but I believe strongly that there are more efficient ways. I think maybe with Notion, perhaps it's guilty of, because it. I think it, market, it markets itself as like a all-encompassing workspace or something like that. So I think maybe it is trying to be that um, one-stop shop tool, but, you know, it's like the, the old um, sort of saying of, you know, master of all, no, what is it? Jack of all trades, master of none, that kind of thing. If you try and be good at everything, maybe you won't be as good, do the the good things as well as you know, right. a, a dedicated app. The generalist, as I said at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> not that you're not good at anything. Then. But, <laughs> you know, on the other hand, ClickUp is the worst when it comes to this, because they even had it in their brand, one app to replace them all. Oh, wow. Or one tool to replace them all. Now they started to switch this to... Um, one tool for your workspace or something like that. But they were became really close to this. However, they had docs in there at first glance, similar to Notion, but not by far not there. And there's always one thing that is not working very well. And I was talking to the CEO of Todoist as well in my interviews. And I just said, you know, you have one app and it has one purpose to replicate this, this sensation of the task list on my sheet, on the desk, ticking off these boxes, giving me the dopamine hit when I take off my box that I had something done. And they do this very well. And they created Twist as another one, and they're working on other tools as well. But I'm sure they will provide this as separate tools. So why do you want to package everything into one tool and one solution instead of creating 
different tools that work very well together and let people the option to pick what they actually need from. And I think probably a good example, linking back to Google, is Google Workspace or whatever they market that as because they've got their sort of task management along with all of the docs really nicely integrated, but you can pick and choose. It's it's not a everything. You don't have to use everything. Yeah, Google is a great example. So I using in paperless movement also the Google Suite or Google Workspace. And um, the advantage there obviously is the integration again. I, I have so many tools, be it Notion or other tools where I can integrate the docs and embed these and get quick access and so on. So there's, what is lacking in Google is structure and organization of the knowledge, but I can add these um, docs and so on into other tools in order to, to work in there and get this, give them structure. And I think you released a, a video maybe a, a month or so ago, because Google are working on a solution like that. I think it's called Tables, is it? It, it looks <laughs> I pretty thought good. If I if I should mention it, now you do. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're working on something where, you know, it seems like they try to get everything together. I'm also in contact with them um, because I, I heard some interest in my ICO framework and this is, yeah, connecting the dots. Amazing. Mm. And we'll, um, as I mentioned, you know, uh, we use Google Workspace as well and I, th- I think it does all work nicely well together. So looking forward to that when it, when it does um, hit the public. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> what gaps will be left there <laughs> so um i guess in the theme of of perfection so obviously you are the paperless movement do you ever sort of use paper now or is it 100 paperless you shouldn't go up to my living room where we have a whole library of books and i always say that people uh, tom do you hate paper and i love this question because it is exactly the opposite. I love paper and it is like for so many things in humanity that people start wasting things if we have too, you know, too much access, if it is, you know, eating too much meat or something like that. It is just too much. So writing a nice letter to your friend again, handwritten notes, something like that, this should become uh, again um, more. The thing I hate is printing of emails to annotate annotate them and then scan them back in or something like that because we have solutions for that. There's no need to do this, even not for the sake of better thinking because annotating PDFs is so much <laughs> more of an advantage doing it on iPad. Um, and and for, this, for this reason, yes, I have paper. And my wife loves paper and I would never, you know, I would never be allowed to take away her books. Um, I don't read books because I rather listening to them. But if I have, for example, an audiobook that I really liked and was really helpful, then I buy the physical book and put it in the bookshelf because it is a haptic feedback that I have there and the sensation and reminder. What was it? I just need to look at the book and I remind, it reminds me of what was in there. So um, we also became in between something. So my, my wife, when we had our children, um, she could no longer read the book in the bed with the, with the light on, you know? So she was sitting there with the flashlight and reading the book. And I said, okay, that's enough. You get a Kindle. <laughs> and she loves her Kindle. 
And the, the, before she got it, I said, okay, let's, let's do this compromise. You get a Kindle. And if you really like the book, we will buy the book and put it in the bookshelf. And this helps us. She's reading so many books per week, per, per month, that the book she didn't like don't end up in the, in the bookshelf. I absolutely understand. I hear the people already saying, I absolutely understand it's a difference. When you read the book, it has another feeling when you put it into the shelf. I absolutely get it. But this is something that worked for us. It sounds like a good method. And I think, yeah, it, it's an experience, isn't it? A book, a Kindle, it doesn't have, I, I use a Kindle and I like use, I listen to books as well. I find it much more convenient. Um, but I've got a couple of books that I do really like that, you know, are books that I revisit because, you know, they provided, you know, such a good source of knowledge or kind of um, guidance at a certain time of life. And holding a paper book is completely different to looking at a Kindle. A Kindle is sort of a, a more efficient means to an end and as is sort of an audio book. But thank you so much for that explanation. That yeah, so I yeah, just wanted to, and I'm sure if you watch Ali Abdal, you also need to know about Readwise. It's again just about connecting the dots, reading a piece of paper, I can make the notes next to it. But um, being on Kindle, I can highlight this, connect it with something like Readwise, and I have all my highlights in one place showing up and reminding me, and I even can sync it to Notion, have it there in my knowledge management system. So I connected my, what I actually read, at the same time I'm highlighting it, it's already in my knowledge management system. So these things are, yeah, something, again, more than just reading a book. Mm. And that was in one of his, or I don't know if it was a recent video, I watched it recently, because I think his, uh, the app that he listens to podcasts on as well also connects with Readwise, which is something that I really want to look into, because constantly yeah. I'm like listening to podcasts, either walking the dog or in the car, and I'd love to stop and make a note, but, you know, sort of circumstances don't allow exactly. Yeah, I tested this well. It, it didn't work that well uh, oh. when I tested it, but this was very early access. So I would love this. As I said in the beginning, I listened to, to podcasts and also the audiobooks. It would be so great. Get these snippets out and store them somewhere else for repurposing later on. Definitely, definitely. Well, thanks so much for the, for all of the sort of insights you provided there. Um, as always, for a sort of nice closeout for our guests, I usually ask the least and most perfect thing you think you've ever done or experienced in your life. So, Tom, let's start with least. What would the, the least, least perfect, perfect thing? Well, obviously, I gave a lot of presentations and things like that, and things go not always perfect. So I could say none of my presentations were perfect nor are my videos. Um, but I never felt that there was anything that I would change. It is always continuous improvements. So, yeah. I would say everything is least perfect. <laughs> and never, and I, I never achieved, achieved 100%. This already answers your second question then. <laughs> it's always a work in progress. Well, I think you have a really really good attitude towards that. And um, yeah, no, I think it's it's completely valid answer. And, and based on everything we've talked about already, I think I'd expect nothing less. <laughs> yeah. So people, you know, just don't take it too serious, everything. 
Definitely. Definitely. Well, again, thank you so much, Tom. This has been such a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time to, to have this conversation and um, record this podcast. Yeah, as I said, a huge fan. This is a really um, dream come true kind of moment. Oh my God, thank you very much. <laughs> it was a pleasure being here. And um, I personally encourage, we've talked about this already, but encourage everyone to sign up to Tom's newsletter to obtain the iCore framework that we've talked about there. And you can see the images of all the tools and the visual examples an excellent read, especially if any of these points have resided with you. But um, Tom, I don't know, maybe would you like to provide your handles where people can uh, follow and contact you? So yeah, sure. Just go to my website, paperlessmovement.com. You will find all the information there. And on social media, I'm mostly on Twitter with at paperlessmove, Instagram as well, paperlessmove everywhere, paperlessmove. So in general, go to Google uh, and Google for Tom Solid. It's, you know, since two years now, not Tom and Cherry is coming up anymore. <laughs> I meant to ask actually as well. It, it's, it's not your official name, is it? It's like an alias, Tom Solid. Yeah, people ask me already, Tom Solid, do you come from the porn industry? No, I'm not. <laughs> so the story behind Tom Solid is actually, so my full name is Dr. Thomas Rödel. And this is not a very global name. If you try to make people pronounce this, and I was called Tom for a long time already because in the in school there were six different Thomases in one class. And I said, okay, I'm Tom now, and you can stay Thomases. So I was Tom. And yeah, I was doing music. I was studying and finally getting to a job. And I published my first album back then, music album. And I was called Psytox. That was my artist name back then. And I published it on iTunes and there was another Psytox. So I had to come up with a new artist name. I was talking with my wife, we were on a walk. And then I said, you know, this is now entering the solid state of my life. I'm becoming solid in my life, starting the family and then settling down and all this. And now it's Tom Solid. And this is how it became. So it is the artist name from, from music and it just stick there. Now you get solid productivity systems. <laughs> oh, I think it's a great name. I think it really, it suits the, the brand and, and also you as well. So I think it's great. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening, fellow imperfectionist. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope it has inspired you to get closer to your true purpose in life. If you have a question, thoughts on this episode or suggestions of topics or even future guests, I would love to hear from you. Visit pickingupperfection.com slash participate. You can also follow me on my socials, Instagram, LinkedIn, and even contact me via email. Links for all of this are in the show notes. See you next time. 